Good morning, church. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, God is going to do something new in 2024? Blessed New Year. Uh, as we say, we can keep saying Blessed New Year until Chinese New Year. <laughs> but we are really into the third week of January, and I must say, time really flies. Uh, some of us pastors, we just returned from Malacca uh, because we attended the pastor summit, and I was greatly challenged. Greatly challenged to see that the time is now for God to do an amazing work in Singapore, to turn Singapore Godward, to reach the young people and to launch out into missions. So the theme for the whole summit was the time is now. And so we are greatly stirred. I'm greatly stirred because I want to see an increase, an increase of God's grace, God's power, God's love over us. Can you say amen? So say increase. So we want to see an increase in the things that God is doing. But however, we know in 2024, we do not want to see increase in other areas, right? <laughs> right? Some of us are praying for increase of hair, increase of your salary, but negatively we see increase in prices and we are struggling. But we are really telling ourselves we want to see an increase in the church of Jesus Christ. Church must grow. Amen? Without growth, we will slowly die out because church is really not about the building, but about the people. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And because we are living things, we will grow. Dead things decay, living things grow. And as we grow older, we must reproduce and multiply. Amen? Can you imagine a baby that's, uh, you know, very cute, after 12 years old, still the same size? You will not say, oh, I'm very cute. You will say, this baby is sick. And so therefore, in our mind, we must understand that God really wants the church to grow. In Revelation, Jesus gave a very sober warning to the church in Ephesus. He said, repent and do the things you did at first. Now, this at first, right, is of first importance. First priority is to keep the main thing, the main thing. And guess what? God has been wanting us to grow the church because uh, the, the, the Bible actually reminded us that when Jesus ascended into heaven, He has given us this great commission. And so we must think about 2024 as how the church will continue to multiply. And of course, the last few weeks, Senior pastor has reminded us, in order for us to grow, we must take care of the sheep. And how many of you are stirred by the last two messages? You know, you are starting to think about hospitality. I see one hand. <laughs> but I think you are thinking about how you're going to care about others to show hospitality, to notice people, to have compassion, and to do above and beyond. You know, after the sermon, we will have people talking about it, and my family did the same thing. And my mother-in-law was uh, with us, and one day she was saying, you know, it's very difficult, you know, to care for others over and beyond. And I say, it's true. It's very difficult because it takes a lot out of us. It takes a lot of intentionality. But if you do it well together, all right, if we do it well together, the impact is tremendous. And I think last year we did make a certain impact in Queenstown area. Because recently we have been receiving a lot of testimonies. 
And one of the testimonies was given by Pastor Brenda, one of our pastors in the Filipino church. Yesterday, when I was preaching, I talked about this testimony, and my family members actually say, I thought you were talking about another church. So I want to declare today <laughs> that the testimony I'm talking about is for Church of Our Savior. So this is a pastor from our Filipino service, and she texts us to say this. She said that there was a member who introduced uh, a friend to her, and they said they are neighbors in Dover, and she's from Jakarta, and part of the conversation go like this. So this newcomer said, I'm a Christian, and my ma'am told me to come to this church, and because ma'am say this church is good. And so Pastor Brenda asked her, so your ma'am is attending the English service? And said, no, 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 my ma'am is a Buddhist. <laughs> Can you imagine that someone who is not a Christian is actually promoting about Church of Our Savior. <laughs> Come on, let's give glory to God. Obviously, you must be doing something right. So turn to your neighbor and say, keep doing what you are doing. <laughs> because after the service, you know what? Some of you may be going for brunch or lunch and your smile to the waiter, the waitresses, how you keep your place, how you don't argue, how you make peace matters in this community. Everything that you do in this community will be a witness in this community. And that's why John 14, 12, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than this will he do, because I'm going to the Father. So Jesus says to us, greater works we are going to do than him. Jesus healed the sick. Drove out demons, walked on water, resurrected the dead. Now, how many of you have resurrected any dead? Other than uh, our senior pastor's testimony, I have never <laughs> asked someone to rise from the dead. But Jesus said, we are going to do greater works than him. So what is this greater work? I believe this megas, this greater, is talking about growth. Because when the Holy Spirit came upon 120 disciples, it grew to about 3,000. So we see the numbers increase. But we also see the sphere of influence increase when persecution come and the disciples were scattered. And so when we understand the kind of growth that God is talking about, it is growth in numbers and impact in regions. God is going to use you and I. And to do so, we must bear good fruits that will last. And so this year, our theme is Rooted for fruitfulness. Turn to your neighbor and say, rooted for fruitfulness. <laughs> and the reason why our senior pastor has been drumming in to tell us to be hospitable, to be compassionate, to love others, because we recognize that if we cannot take care of the sheep, God is not going to send more to us. Amen? And so all of us are involved in this. And we need to take discipleship seriously. We need to be rooted. We need to produce good disciples of Jesus Christ. But however, however, growth uh, in numbers can be bad also because sometimes cell group uh, or cell, bad cell, when it is growing, it becomes cancerous. <laughs> Alright? I do not know whether you are thinking about your cell now. <laughs> but I want you to know that we want good growth. We want growth that is multiplying in a good way and declaring God's goodness, not virus. Huh? And so this theme for us, we must remember that God is wanting Church of Our Savior to take root deeply. You know, when King Hezekiah was faced with the threat of the Assyrians coming against him, 
He was mocked by the enemies. And so he cried out to God in prayer. And prophet Isaiah came to him and in this verse, in verse 30 of chapter 19, it says, The surviving remnant of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. Meaning to say, God is going to protect you. You can be rooted here deeply so that you will bear fruit that will become a witness to the world. And so say with me the English, the yellow words. One, two, three. Take root downward and bear fruit upward. You know, in the same story in verse 35, the Bible says that night the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And so we cannot do that just based on our hard work. We can only do that when we lean on God's strength and the miracles will come when we are able to take root deeply in His Word, in His presence. And so when you're rooted in the right place, you will bear good fruit. And this reminds me of the picture of the tree that has deep roots inside. And of course, it reminds me of someone. You know, the first word or the first psalm is blessed. And the Bible says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And there's a comparison between those who trust in the Lord and those who walk in the way of the wicked. And this time continue to say in verse 2 and 3, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. How many of you want to be like this tree? Amen? I don't see a lot of response, but come on. Let's all tell God that we want to be like this tree, planted by streams of living water. Now, I do not know when this psalm was written, but clearly when Prophet Jeremiah, when he was preaching to the masses, he was seemingly quoting Psalms 1, because it's almost the similar psalm that he was talking about. He says in chapter 17, verses 7 and 8, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in a year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. And today we're going to focus on this text. We're going to ask God to reveal to us how to bear fruit when we are deeply rooted. Let's pray. Father, we ask of you to reveal to us. Teach us to trust in you. Teach us to take root deeply in your word, to bear fruit, to bear fruit that will last. In Jesus' name, amen. In Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on on your own understanding. And so the first thing we are trying to remind ourselves this year is to trust in God's leading. Let Him lead us. I know you have your strategies, you know, SIQ, SQ, whatever you call it. It's like a strategy to reach out to those who probably will not come to church. And if you ask them to come to service, they may not come. But we know that these are strategies. But we need to pray. We need to ask God to lead us. This hospitality that we are telling you about, you need to pray and ask God to show you. You know, recently we have all this, uh, uh, we, we have been reminding the Chinese church also to buy gifts, special gifts, like bespoke gifts to people. I remember a story of uh, one of our members who was actually wanting to bless uh, a cancer patient. And so she was praying because it was her birthday. 
And, but she, she said, I do not know what flavor of cake she will like. And so she prayed and the word kaya came to her mind. And she said, I'm not sure, but she just by faith bought the kaya cake and gave it to uh, the patient. And she was so touched. She said, how do you know that this is my favorite cake? Wow, only God knows. But I want you to know as you lean on God, God will reveal to you. Uh, recently, I was given this uh, salted pork from China. Honestly, I didn't know what to do with it. I heard that it was quite expensive and do not know. Sometimes people give you, uh, you do not know what to do. But you, you also must give to the right people <laughs> in case uh, you give back to the person who give to you. <laughs> so... I was talking to my wife, say, you know what to do with this? Say, I do not know what to do with this. I heard it's quite good, no? Why don't you try? Say, no, no, no. Why don't you give it away? So I say, wow, we must give to the right person. So one day when I was about to go and climb, I was thinking, hey, I have this friend in a climbing gym. I was reaching out to her recently. She was baptized. And so I said, maybe I'll pass to her, not knowing that she will actually enjoy it. But I, her name popped in my mind. So I brought to the climbing gym and I said, hey, Sally, I don't know whether you like this or not, but you know, someone gave it to me, so I pass it to her. When she opened it up, she said, how do you know that the last two weeks I've been wanting to look for this? I even sent out a message to my friend in Shanghai to get this for me. And today you gave it to me. I say, not me, but God, God loves you very much. Come on, let's give glory to God. You know, when, when you depend on God, when you lean in and listen, God will speak to you. And if you want to do unreasonable hospitality, you better partner with the Holy Spirit. Amen? But however, in contrast, the one who does not trust in God, Jeremiah 17 verses 5 and says, 6 says this, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited saltland. And so you see there's a contrast that Jeremiah was making. The one who trusts in the Lord and the one who trusts in man. And interestingly, in Hebrew, the word curse and the word shrub in the original language sounds almost the same. I will not attempt to pronounce it, but it sounds almost the same. Almost poetically linking the two together, that the fruits that come from the desert may be cursed. And if you do know something about the desert fruits, the jennifer that came out from this deserted area, it's actually, it looks nice, it looks edible, but you open it up, sometimes it's empty and can have even spider webs inside. And so that's the interesting fact that Jeremiah was trying to put this contrast between someone who trusts in God and someone who trusts in man. Because the one who trusts in God is blessed. The one who trusts in man is cursed. The one who trusts in God is like a tree by the river. But the one who trusts in man is like a shrub in the desert. But yet both will face drought, will face dryness, will face season when it's down. Amen? And some of you are thinking, you know, I believe in God, I trust in you, Lord, I've been faithful to you, why is this happening to me? But the Bible is telling us this is normal. So in 2024, while we quote verses like, we are more than conquerors, we are head and not the tail, in your prayer, you must remember that drought seasons will come. And when drought season comes, the difference is this, you will produce good fruit. 
and not bad fruit. Because the one who trusts in the Lord will lean on him and be guided by his leading. To illustrate this further, I want to use a story in 2 Kings 3. There's a comparison between two kings, King Jehoshaphat and King Jehoram. Because the Bible started, this narrative started with King Ahab dying and his son Jehoram has taken on the throne as king. But you must understand during those days in the king, when King Ahab was ruling, the Moabites have to pay taxes. You know, they have to give all these sheep, 100,000 rams to Israel. And so when a new king became, you know, sits on the throne, the king of Moab decided to rebel against the taxes that was imposed against them. So the king of Israel got angry, rallied his army and wanted to start a war against Moab. So in order to ensure victory, he went to King Jehoshaphat and asked him to fight together. And so he agreed. They decided to go through Edom and guess what? They got the king of Edom too. And so this looks like a sure win battle. Three kings against one king. Surely they will win. But you know what? They got lost in the desert. And they were walking around, wandering in the desert for about seven days. And they were dried up. Cattle has no water. You know, all of them were drying up. And so the king of Israel, King Jehoram, said this, Alas, the Lord has called these three kings to give them into the hand of Moab. You know, when problems come, the one who do not trust in God will complain. So I call him the complaint king. I do not know whether you are complaint king. If you are today, repent. And then the one who consult God says this, Is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? The Bible says that King Jehoshaphat is a king that is after God's heart. And so he's the one they want to consult, to hear from the prophet of God. And of course, the last king uh, didn't say anything, he just complied and moved along. And they found Elisha. And the reason why King Jehoram did not want to go to the prophet, because every time Elijah says something, he will be scolding the king. <laughs> if you read the Bible story, you realize the prophet not very kind to some of these kings because they were not following God's laws. And true enough, Elijah kind of scolded King Israel and he said this, he said, As the Lord of hosts lives, before whom I stand, were it not that I have regard for Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would neither look at you nor see you. But now, bring me a musician. And so, giving face to king of Judah, he said, now, bring me the worship team. And so it's very important, very interesting here, that the worship team was brought in to actually have this prophecy that come from the Lord. And so when you worship God, remember, worship recognizing that God is going to speak to us. And true enough, God spoke, and this is the prophecy. The prophecy that came from the Lord says this, I will make this dry stream bed full of pools. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind or rain, but the stream bed shall be filled with water, so that you shall drink, you your livestock, and your animals. Now, listen to this. This is a prophecy that came from Elisha. They are in the desert. They were in the desert for seven days. They had dried up. There was no water, and they could not imagine. This is like a miracle that was declared. And then, it continues to say this in verse 18. Can you read the words that are underlined together? Go. This is a lighting 
in the sight of the Lord. Maybe this morning you need to hear this from the Lord, that whatever you are going through, and when you are calling out for a miracle, the Bible says this, that the Lord is able, more than able to do this, and to actually bring water into this desert, God say, you know what? This kitchen kura, this uh, small thing, I can do this, so easy. And more than that, I'm going to give the Moabites into your hand. You're going to defeat them. While they are struggling, they were dried up, they have no more energy, God is going to say, God is actually saying to them, you're going to win this battle. Now, just imagine for a while that if you are one of the soldiers who have been walking around in the desert without water and your camels, you know, your, your cattles, your horses, they are all dried up. And then the word that came from your leader say, go and dig more trench. Go and dig more trench. Now, I've been a, a army officer before, and I've dug trenches before. And every time I ask my men to dug trench, to dig trench, I never hear in hallelujah before. <laughs> in fact, I hear a lot of curse words. <laughs> so digging trench is actually quite tiring. And in fact, you will lose more water. Now, you can imagine the soldiers complaining, especially from the king of Israel, because he's a complaint king, so the soldiers also complain. I'm just imagining. But yet, they continue to dig. And they dig all these trenches. And you know what? Obedience, you know, will be rewarded. Obedience is so important to our faith. And when they obeyed, the Bible says, the next morning, about the time of offering of the sacrifice, water came from the direction of Edom, and the whole country was filled with water. Can you imagine just suddenly water came? And you may be wondering as you are digging whether there's any drop of rain coming. Sometimes when you are digging and you are doubting, but you are acting in faith and you are thinking, God, if you show a little bit of drizzle, maybe I'll dig faster. But he said, no, you just obey and then the water will come. And the interesting thing is this. The Bible says that as they rose early in the morning, the sun was shining on the water. And this is what the Moabite says. He said, this is blood. They thought it was blood flowing out. The kings have surely fought together and struck one another down. So Moab, let us go and take the spoil. And they went there. They were totally annihilated by the Israelites because they were refreshed by the water. They were ready to fight and they killed the enemies. So friends, here we have a comparison between one who trusts in the Lord and one who don't trust in the Lord. The one who trusts in God will seek God, will listen to the instruction, and also obey through action. Now, it's interesting because obedience always comes with action. You cannot just say, yes, 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 raise your hand and don't turn up because you are worrying about your own situation. Stop worrying about your lack. Stop worrying about your personal agenda this year. Start to take an interest in God's agenda. Start to ask God, what do you want me to do this year? Because worry and anxiety is training our hearts not to trust God. But to put our trust in God is to see His agenda as the most important, our first priority. Do the first thing first so that we will not die out. We will multiply and reproduce. So trust in God's leading. Number two, be rooted in godly principles. Because when you are rooted, you will be guided by truth. I used to say this to the youth a lot. Godly intentions must come with godly practices. 
Christian must start practicing godliness when you study the Word of God. You know, sometimes I hear Christians who are not rooted, they will have different kind of application. You know, they hear the sermon, but they have their own application. I have a Christian coming to me, a new Christian, and then they say, now that I'm a Christian, I buy Toto very different. <laughs> because now I pray for the numbers. <laughs> and pastor, you know why I still buy Toto? Because if I win the top prize, I will give the church 10%. <laughs> you know, in the Chinese church, sometimes I have to tell them, can you please don't wear the 12 blessing? Because sometimes we wear the 12 blessing, I see people wear the 12 blessing t-shirt to buy Toto. <laughs> Well, they literally believe that they are going to be blessed, you know. And in another occasion, I heard of people who cannot quit smoking. Uh, after they become a Christian, they say, you know, Pastor, actually, I should continue smoking. You know why not? Because, first of all, the Bible never says don't smoke. Secondly, you talk about how our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? And when I smoke, the smoke goes into my body, and it's like incense offering to God. <laughs> So when you are not rooted, you have very weird application. And turn to your neighbor and say, you must be rooted. And if you want to reach out to others, you cannot bluff them to church. You cannot tell them, oh, come to church, you'll win total, come to church, you'll be very prosperous. God actually says, deny yourself, take up the cross and follow me. Part of the Christian life is actually facing suffering. And we need to be ready for that. Godly intentions must come with godly practices. And that's why we need to be rooted in truth. And Jeremiah was reminding us that the one who trusts in God is like a tree planted by river, sends out its roots by the stream. When you are faced with difficulty, your environment is also very important. What you take in is very important. And that's why you come to church. That's why you listen to the Word of God being preached to you so that your heart will be renewed. Because when you are planted, your environment will greatly impact and influence you. And so our culture is very, very important here. Truth and culture. What is truth? Truth is what is telling us to do. Truth is the thing that we need to follow. Truth is Jesus Christ Himself. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so if we follow truth, we follow Jesus. And that's truth. And so the church should be guided by truth. But you know, we are always guided by our culture. There's different kind of culture that we have. Culture shapes us, shapes your thinking, shapes your behavior, shapes even your value. Unknowingly, we are shaped by the society's culture. You know, church or different kind of culture. And if you notice in different churches you go to, people always sit at the back first. The first few rows are always empty. And so there was a story about this young man who actually went to the church for the very first time, stepped into the church, sat in front. Everybody was sitting behind. First five rows, nobody was sitting. So the pastor was preaching. After he finished, he noted that this guy must be new. So he went to him and said, you know, are you new? He said, yeah, I'm new in church. You can tell. You sit in front. He said, so who brought you to church? He said, no, I came alone. He said, Really? So what do you do? You say, I'm a bus driver. I came to learn from the church. I came because I have a hard time trying to ask people to sit behind. <laughs> so I came to the church to learn from the church how to ask people to sit behind. <laughs> and you, you, you cannot imagine how true this is, right? <laughs> because when you are the only one sitting in front, after a while you will also sit behind. 
If you are the only one raising your hands to praise the Lord, after the third week, you will put down your hand even though you want to raise your hand. And so you and I, what we do in church is very important. It is intentional. It is a way of culture that we are building. But culture building can be very sensitive because the more you talk about it, the more people resist. Everybody raise hand. You say, I don't want to raise hand. You know, I was actually studying this uh, business, uh, how businesses grow. And there was this guy who was actually the owner of a bihun store. And when inflation came, he decided to add one more dollar to his plate of bihun, which is quite a lot. So he added egg. So he added egg, he added the price, raised the price, and he realized that half the customer left him. So he got worried, uh, took away the egg and bring down the price. Slowly, the customer came back. But this time around, he made a cultural change. He started to ask them nicely, smile at them and say, do you want an egg? And so he realized that as the customer come back, some of them will buy egg, some of them will not. And then, after a while, he decided to change strategy again. He said, instead of asking them quietly, smiling at them, he said, uh, how many eggs do you want? Do you want to add eggs really loud? And so people who are queuing uh, started to think how many eggs they want. <laughs> they started to conjure in their minds that this egg is wonderful and amazing. Actually, the main ingredient is actually the bihun, right? But not everybody is thinking about egg. <laughs> and that's how the culture is going to shift, right? And unknowingly, sometimes what we say negatively also spread. And this becomes very toxic culture. And we want to get rid of toxic culture. So we learn, we need to give choice. But at the same time, we are influenced by one another. Culture is not truth. Truth must shape culture. So all of us as Christians, we will always say, Bible reading is good. It is important. You need to do your quiet time. But if you have a newcomer coming to the church, not seeing anybody read the Bible, when he asks after three weeks, have, do you read the Bible? Do you do your quiet time? They say, oh, very busy, very busy. After one month, even though he recited the same thing, Bible reading is very important, he will not read the Bible. But if nobody talks about Bible reading as, being as, as very important, and he come into the church, every time he come into the church, everybody reading the Bible, <laughs> reciting scriptures. Even though nobody tell him Bible reading is important, you know, as a non-Christian, he may steal a Bible and pretend to read also. <laughs> because the culture is shaping him. And so, friends, is the truth changing our culture or our culture covering the truth? We need to think about this. We need to do this together. And that's why it's important for us to pray together, to read the Word of God together, to come together in fellowship. You do not just want to be rooted in truth. You want to be rooted in faith community. And that's why we say corporate prayer must come. I know you can pray at home. I know it is important. But you know what? When you come together and unite in prayer, there is power in a place of unity. Amen? How wonderful it is when everybody say amen together because we are praying for the same thing. And that's why corporate prayer is important. So how many of you are coming for the prayer meeting? Raise your hand. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's not very encouraging. Uh. But, but by the way, I never tell you uh, that the first prayer meeting is going to be led by our senior pastor. Okay, let me ask again. How many of you are coming? <laughs> Just kidding. You're not coming for him. I know. But at the same time, I want you to know that we need to do this together. It is intentional, but sometimes the feeling inside us tell us, I don't want it. 
I got better things to do, leh. I got this and that, leh. You know what? Jeremiah continued to say this, that the heart is deceitful above all things. So you know, all the problems that we face, we, we think it's system problem, we think it's this problem. If we solve this, uh, everything will be sun sun sui sui. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> you will still have problems. Why? Because the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. The heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, the Lord says, I'm the one that searches your heart and tests your mind. To give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. And that's why in order for us to grow, we need to apply the truth. Now, many times we thought of our spiritual disciplines as very important. And I think they are very important. But spiritual disciplines don't really transform you. I say that. I will say this again. Spiritual disciplines don't really transform you. But it is important because when you do your spiritual disciplines, you are opening your heart for God to transform you. God is the one that will transform us if you allow Him to cultivate your heart. And finally, I want you to know, if you want to be rooted to bear good fruits, you need to cultivate your heart for fruitfulness. Cultivate it. Allow God to cultivate. Allow God to clean up the ugliness inside. Only you know how ugly it is inside. And many of us are struggling with this, this great disparity, this, uh, this part of us that we do not want anybody to know. Only God knows. And you're worried. But rest assured that God wants to give you grace. God is not here to condemn you, but to renew you, to change you, to transform you, so that in 2024, you are leaning on Him. You are trusting in Him. You are rooted in His Word. You are, you are rooted in the faith community, whereby in a cell group, you can share your problems with one another. But allow God first to cultivate the heart of yours. Because you can do all this thing without offering your heart to God. You can memorize scriptures all you want, but if it doesn't change you, the Word has not gone in. My children who went to the uh, clergy retreat recently with me, they heard the message and they were telling us, Daddy, you know what? When we were young, we were memorizing all these scriptures word for word because we wanted to get the badge. <laughs> the badge so nice. But you know what? Not, we didn't really want to listen to God. <laughs> we just do this because of the badge. And you can memorize all you want. But only when your heart is willing to be offered to God. And so let God cultivate your heart. Right? You must know that the fruits will tell. Now, how many of you know what tree this is? Make a guess. Anybody? Just shout it out. What? Mango? No. This is a pear tree. Okay. What about this? Most of you have eaten this, especially in Chinese New Year. Orange, huh? What about this? Last one. Pomegranate. Okay? How do you know the trees? Many of you are like, oh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, right? But when you see the fruit, yeah, okay, I know what this is. Because the Bible says that every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits, by your fruits, by your deeds by what you do and what you say, by the way you behave, by the way people look at you and they say, wow, this group of people is so loving. I know they are Christian. You know, I've been actually reaching out to some of the hawkers here. And recently, I've met this uh, 
wait, this cashier or waitress. And she has been telling me, you know, she has never stepped into church. And then she said that, but I know that Christians are different. I know that Christians are different. In fact, I thought maybe she would make a good Christian because she actually talked to people. She's so nice, so joyful all the time. So I started to share with her. I want you to know that by your fruits, by your behavior, people can tell. And not only that, by your character, you need to go out there to actually share. And it takes a lot out of you. I know. Like what uh, senior pastors say, most of us are introverts. I'm not introvert. I think you can tell, right? And so I, li- I like to talk to people. I like to talk to random strangers. But I must recognize that my children, most of them are introverts also. Because they came to me and they said, Daddy, we are not like you. Uh. You go and talk to any strangers. Uh. Please don't drag us in all the time. <laughs> but imagine if you intentionally put effort to change, go above and beyond. You know, one year, if you can reach out to 1,000 people, isn't it amazing? Right? 1,000 people. That would be amazing, right? And if you continue to reach out, you know, in the second year, 1,000, and you continue to do that, for 30 years, you have reached out to 30,000 people. Amazing, right? And if you all do that, there will be revival in the church. Hallelujah. But just thinking about this, you feel tired, right? And and scary, right? Wow, 1,000. I'm not sure whether I got 1,000 friends. And all your Facebook friends, probably fake one. But however, that's not actually the Bible way of multiplication because this is addition. Now, God's way is this. If you would take time to find two persons that you can disciple, mentor, intentionally invest in them and make them as passionate as you. Let them know the Word of God and, and help them to see value in the kingdom of God. Help them to see it for this year. Let them learn the Word of God, study scriptures, and then go out to reach out to others. And these two continue to reach out to two more, and they continue to reach out to two more. And if this continue to go on, and every one of the disciples will reach out to the next disciple, you know what? After 30 years, you know how many people will be rich? Because just now, you know, if you do that 1,000, right? You get 30,000. But if you do this in multiplication in 30 years, you reach 1 billion people. 1 billion That's the impact of multiplication. That's the impact of discipleship. That's the impact that when you invest in people, you do not see just addition. You see multiplication. Many years ago, when I was a student in Singapore Poly, I was attending a Christian fellowship there and I met a mentor by the name of Kevin. Now, Kevin has been a staff worker there for a couple of years. And when he was teaching and preaching and doing training to all of us, he was always doing in masses. And one day he came to me and he said, you know what, God kind of touched me to say, I need to look for two faithful men. So he picked me and my friend Fuji. Now Fuji and myself, we actually, we're not the best, we're not the brightest. You know, our English are always being corrected by people. We got grammatical problems. We, most of the time we just tell jokes and play games. And my friend like to do magic show. So we could do all these kind of things. But, we will always be there. We are faithful people. So he decided, you know what, I'm going to train these two guys up. And so very often we'll go to his place, sometimes get lost, you know, in the, in, in his neighborhood. And sometimes he'll, he'll bring us to his place and do Bible study. I remember uh, some of the Bible study are quite boring. <laughs> and uh, we'll ask silly questions. And sometimes I don't even know what he was teaching. Other days, he was actually vacuuming the floor uh, with the kids running around and we were following while he was vacuuming. <laughs> 
And then he will be like saying, you know, Chris, you know, do this, you know, Fuji. And, and he will be talking and discipling us, investing in us. And honestly, until today, I cannot tell you what I learned from the Bible story that he was saying or some of the principles, but I do know something. I see that he loves us. And all these years, I will remember those sins. He brought us to hike at Mount Ophir and then we got bee stung, <laughs> sung by bees. And, uh, and, and, and all these images will flood in and I will remember how he invested. Today, Fuji is the Deputy Director of Scripture Union. He's serving, he was serving in full-time ministry for the past 21 years. He went to the same Bible college. I've been serving ever since then in full-time ministry. Thank God that he actually decided to start something with us. Of course, much later, we went to different places. We have different mentors, different people guiding us. But he started something in us. Paul told Timothy, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. There's a multiplication effect when you're willing to do so. If you can count the seeds in a pomegranate, you will find that every pomegranate will have up to 200 to almost 1,200. Now let's say we go by the list, 200 seeds. Do you know every year the tree will produce by the fourth year up to a crop of 20 to 25 fruits? And in the 10th year, the production will rise to 100 to 150 fruits. And in a well-managed orchid, it can produce up to 200 to 250 fruits, of which every fruit will at least have 200 seeds, and every seed is a potential to become a pomegranate tree. That's the power of multiplication. That's how God will do greater works in the church, in you and I. And you've got to believe this, that it's not by your strength. It's not by your effort. It is not by sheer determination only. It is by the grace of God, the power of God. It is the one who raised Jesus from the dead is also residing in you and his name is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is able to empower you and raise you up, able to help you to see things that other people could not see if you are willing to listen, if you are willing to obey, if you are willing to open your heart to him. Start thinking about whom you're going to raise. If the church is going to multiply itself, it takes all of us to put our hand to the plow and never look back. And that's why I like this picture of the tree, where it's deeply rooted. You've got to be grounded in God's Word and the community here. You have, you have not been involved in any community. You're just attending service. Can I gently just invite you? Look for a community. Form your own cell group. Let us know. Because it is through the community that you can grow. Let us be rooted for fruitfulness. And so before I close this morning, I want you to just start to think of some names. Maybe some names God is depositing in your heart right now. And they may be non-Christian even. You want to reach out to, you want to disciple. Maybe there are some names that is around you and you have been investing. Pray for them. And so while you are thinking of this name, can I invite you to take some time? We want to pray for them. So let us all stand up, turn to your neighbor and start praying for the two names that pop up in your mind right now. Don't think too long. If you don't have names, start to scan and start to pray. And so at the count of three, I want you to partner with your neighbor. If you are alone, just find someone. Because this is the church. We want to be a blessing. And so turn to your neighbor at the count of three. Let us pray for the person that you want to disciple. 
Shall we do that? One, two, three. Come on, let us pray. Turn to your neighbor. Just start praying. Start praying for your own disciples. Start praying for the person that you want to reach out to, you want to disciple. You cannot just uh, pray quietly because the person cannot hear you. So start, start voicing, you know, the name, declaring God's truth, God's love. This year will be a year of salvation for them. This year will be a year of fruitfulness, Lord, we declare. This year will be a year where we multiply ourselves. This year, we want to plant new church. This year, we want to see your name be glorified in the things that we do. We want to make a difference in Singapore and beyond. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Everything we have. Thank you, Jesus. Use it for your plans. Don't you know? Take a look at our hearts. Molded, refined it. As you set us apart, we want to run to the altar and catch the fire to stand in. just for a moment because uh, initially I didn't want to do an altar call but as I was uh, praying just now I, I want to especially call for those maybe you have intention to visit the sick and reach out to the poor right you already have this intention maybe you have been doing that and you need prayer you need prayer for creativity you need prayer for strength for grace especially for this group of people you know you have been reaching out to poor people you have been reaching out to sick people. Or maybe some of you are sick yourself. Or you need healing, maybe any form of needs. I do not want you to go away feeling like, you know, I, I need to invest, but you are feeling empty inside. Alright, so if there's a need, later on when we sing this song, I want you to come forward and we want the pastors to minister to you to pray for you. There's also a call for people with stomach or colon disorder. Okay, so if that fits you, just come forward as well. And there's also a call for people with a mid-spine pain, all right? Feel a pain in the middle of your spine, all right? If you are the person, just come forward. We love to pray for you. So you need prayer, just come forward. We're going to sing the song and we're going to close the service soon. Thank you, Lord, take a look at our hands. For the rest of us, raise your hands and let this song be your prayer. Let us make a difference. Won't you, Lord, take a look at our hearts? Molded, refining, as you set us apart. We want to run to the altar and catch the fire to stand in the gap. Between the living and the dead Give us a heart of compassion For a world without vision We will make a difference
Father, we offer to you our hearts. Let us be rooted in your word, in this community, so that, Lord, we will bear good fruits that will make a difference in this community. Lord, help us to say yes to you, Lord, to say, I'm willing, O oh God. Lord, let us not have all this prejudice in our hearts and minds. and Let us be willing to go above and beyond for the sake of the kingdom of God. Lord, allow us to multiply ourselves this year. And so now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen, amen. God bless you. The service is over. Please go out and have some fellowship together.